As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey everybody, it's Arthur Staple. Welcome back to No Sleep Till Belmont, your Islanders podcast from The Athletic. Joined as always by my co-host, AJ Maletsko. AJ, how are you? I'm doing just fine, Arthur. Good to be back with you and looking forward to getting back on Long Island for the Thursday, Friday, back-to-back tilt this week. Yeah, we'll talk some Islanders in a second, but first, I'm excited to share with you a new podcast from The Athletic. It's called Shattered, Hope, Heartbreak, and the New York Knicks. It's a documentary-style podcast on the past 20 years of the Knicks, hosted by the legendary Long Islander Chuck D. from Public Enemy. New episodes of Shattered are released every Tuesday. Search for Shattered, Hope, Heartbreak, and the New York Knicks wherever you get your podcasts. And you're getting this Islanders podcast right now. And AJ, I think kind of the headline thing, while we perhaps wait for a trade, which we've been pretty much beaten to death, um, Matthew Barzell had a pretty great week after we recorded last week, uh, was named first star of the week by the NHL. Uh, Hattrick, five-point night against Washington, shootout winner a couple nights later. Um, what do you see from him that's m- making him even better maybe than he was for a lot of the stretches of this season so far? Well, you know, I think that from my perspective, and we heard Barry Trotz talk about this at the beginning of the season, but he, uh, Matt Barzell came into this year with a little bit more trust in the system. And that's such a Barry Trotzism. <laughs> my apologies, but we hear him say it all the time. And what that looks like if you're number 13 is getting rid of the puck, giving it up. Don't try to beat everybody that's wearing a jersey on the other team. You start at your goal line. Now we did see an amazing coast-to-coast goal against Washington where he did in fact start with the puck in his own end and weave through all of the Washington Capitals and score a beauty. Uh, But he doesn't have to do that. And I think the fact that he is willing to give the puck up, move to open space, that creates a little bit of, of deception in his game that creates a little bit. He's a little harder to defend what well, he was. A little, he was more predictable before he would take the puck and he would go. Doesn't mean you could always stop him, but they knew what he was going to do. And now there's, there's sort of a more nuance to his game. Um, now what I've seen more recently is that he had fallen into that sort of new style, new trust, and really had elevated his game with his two wingers, with Everly, with Anders Lee, and then Anders Lee goes down and, and no surprise that that line takes a little dip when you get rid of uh, the captain and the big body and the skill and net front presence that, and, and the forecheck, by the way, all that work that he does in the corners, you lose him. 
and it takes so there's some maybe some more growing pains. And um, as as you and I have talked about, Leo Komarov has found a home there for the last probably seven or eight games. And you'll correct me if I'm wrong. And I think that there is there is some consistency, and with that comes this new style from Matt Barzell. And I think he's just he's sort of owning it. He's owning the fact that he's the face of this franchise, and he likes the big moment. You, you mentioned predictability, which is bad for a creative guy like Matthew Barzell, but uh, conversely, good for a guy like Leo Komarov, who is he, he Uncle Leo is always Uncle Leo on the ice, off the ice. Nothing changes with that guy. And I think sometimes that drives people insane. But I imagine that that is a, a bit of a comfort for a guy like Barzell and a guy like Jordan Eberle, because they had that with Anders Lee, plus a lot of skill. Leo, not as much skill. Uh, which we can be generous in saying he's does. He's a good. He's a good player for what he does, and people definitely have. We've heard. I've heard it. You've probably heard it. Everybody's heard it. What is he doing on that top line? And I think these last few games, you're seeing why he's there because he does bring some of that predictability that Anders Lee brought. He he gets out of the way. He goes to the net. He's drawing bodies to him. Uh, he's not going to give you the greatest skill, but he gives you, and he does give Matthew Barzell what he needs, which is, I know where that guy's going to be, so I can do my thing. Yeah, you know, I think that the, with predictability, it sort of comes hand in hand with simplicity. And Leo Komarov does play a very simple game. And I don't mean that, that's not an insult. I know that sounds, I think simple-minded is, you know, what people would go to. But to me, the predictability is the way that he plays south of the red line, meaning the defensive side of the ice is he's in the right spot a lot. He's willing to sacrifice his body. He does all the sort of little things that Barry Trotz likes, and that's that predictability. Now, where the the creativity comes in is more on the offensive side of the red line where Matt Barzell shines. But if he knows that his winger is going to be driving to the net and he's going to be strong in front of the net, if he knows that his winger is going to go into the corner and dig the puck out, and he's always going to be there, then Matt Barzell can put that creativity on display. And Matt Barzell can go down and and try to be deceptive and be unpredictable, which is when he's at his finest. I mean, sometimes, and I think you and I have said this before, I'm not sure Matt Barzell knows what he's going to do half the time. He just, he sees a couple steps ahead of his opponents, which is, which is really such an incredible and an innate skill of his. But I think when you put somebody like Leo Komarov and they've, they've fallen into a bit of a rhythm now and you know don't discount the fact that Jordan Everly's on that line and and notwithstanding the three posts he hit last night he has he's a finisher and he has been there so if you if Leo Komarov is not going to be able to offer the finishing touch or the the skilled plays that Anders Lee offers but he does allow the other two to sort of do their thing when he's going into the corner and he's grinding the way that that line needs a grinder yeah you know I think uh, Barry Trotz and I quoted him in, in a story posted earlier today. Um, you know, Barry said it, it's it's very fantasy league, you know, NHL, uh, you know, twenty one type thinking that a lot of fans have, which is not an insult to everybody. You can think that way and may play your video games that way. That you put your three most talented guys together and let them go crazy. And for Barry Trotz, and I think he's certainly proven it time and again, not just with Leo Komarov, but with guys like Ross Johnston and guys like Michael Del Call. He needs a little heft on some of those lines to go with the skill. Otherwise, you just you're too easy to play against. And I think when you're talking about Barzell getting into that perimeter, holding it and holding it, looking for something, looking for something, and curling back and curling back, um, you know, someone's just going to take him and throw him into the wall and take the puck from him. So um, Leo, I think being there, and again, you know, they could make a trade. I could, we could look at our phones right now, and they could have made a trade. 
for a top line left wing and we'll be like, ah, well, never mind. But for now, for these eight games, they've given up zero goals at five on five with those three guys on the ice. Um, and that I think, you know, you just you at least want to tie a shift and you don't think of Matthew Barzell being one of those guys that you just want to stay neutral. And obviously he's produced a lot as well. I think they've scored seven uh, at even strength and zero against. But but if you're not hurting the team, I think that gives you a little bit more license to be to be creative and and get more ice time. And that's, you know, that's Barry Trotz's trust system. That's to a T. And I think they've really embraced it. Well, I just checked and uh, there's no news as of this minute. That doesn't mean in the next minute there won't be a trade that you and I will either be discussing or talking about after we we close this pod down. But, um, you know, that is when you look at the way that this team is built. And and I like the way that Barry Trotz says that you because we think of the first line, the second line. And, you know, you and I have talked about the fourth line on this team. And we've said time and time again that they they are they do more than a typical fourth line because you think of the fourth line as maybe the three weakest players. And that's clearly not true with the Islanders when you look at the three three men that are on the um, on the third line, uh, excuse me, the fourth line. But, you know, that's what I think is it, the team is all about chemistry. The t- team is all about trying to fit these puzzle pieces and go go back to the trade deadline a year ago when they brought in J.G. Pajot, who's a perfect piece of the puzzle. And he was one of the missing, what was missing, right? And and some of it was the intangible. Some of it was the locker room, the way that he plays, the way that he endeared himself to his teammates, first and foremost, his coaches. And of course the fans, we, everybody loved him right off the bat. Um, And so I think that that's when you're trying to put these, these lines together, you know, sometimes Barry Droth will say, I'm going to put them in the blender because see what comes out. And obviously he's not, it's not that arbitrary. He really is thinking all this stuff through, but he'll mix it up. You know, and you look at the way Beauvillier has gone up and down, the way Bailey has gone to the top line back down. He's always looking for that little nuance, that little something that will kickstart somebody. And sometimes you can't predict it. Even the best coaches in the world will put people together. You look over in Chicago and when you had Quenville there and now you've got Colleton and you had Taves and Kane and they weren't on the same line. And then when they needed a boost, they'd put them together. And, you know, it's all these sort of gut feelings that these good experienced coaches have trying to find that spark. And so, you know, calling it the top line, it's not the three best players. It's not the three superstars. It certainly is a mix. And that the fact that they need some heft and some weight on that top line on all four lines, frankly, and, you know, we, we haven't talked, Andersley is missing from that top power play unit too. throw Matt Martin on there. And I think people were surprised with his success. I think as a goal and an assist um, in two games being in that spot and good for him, right? He's planted himself in front and he's done exactly what Barry Trotz has asked of him and, and he's being rewarded for it. Uh, and I have one question for you, and this is not necessarily controversial, but I, I threw it out there at the bottom of my story today. And obviously you've got Connor McDavid, you've got Austin Matthews. There's some pretty headline names that are in the heart trophy at the top of the heart trophy race. Is this the year that Matthew Barzell gets maybe like a fourth or fifth place heart trophy vote, considering this is a team that doesn't score a lot, they're tied for first place. There's a chance they could win the division. Or is this just, he's a good, he's the best player on a very capital T team. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I, you know, I do think, I think it's really hard to, to be completely unbiased when, when any of us in this world of the NHL covers one team more than other people, right? We get to see the skills on display from Matt Barzell night in and night out. And when I look at an MVP person, when a Hart Trophy candidate, I do think it has to be somebody that carries their team into the playoffs. I know there's some controversy about that. Some people don't think that's true. Some people do. Um, and you look at what the team would be without that player. 
Um, so, you know, you take a Chicago Blackhawks again, back to that same example. And you take a Patrick Kane, like he is having a heart caliber season just based on what the Herculean task that he has been able to accomplish with that team. So you look at, at, um, the Islanders and I do think that they are a capital T team to steal your words. But with that said, I, I think this might be the season that Barzell gets a look at that, gets some votes based on the fact that he has started to con- to produce what he, what's expected of him right now. He'll go through stretches where he won't produce. I think he went through a little bit of a drought in May. He wasn't producing points, but he's still out there doing drawing attention, right? He's even when people know that what he can do, like I said before, when he's, they know what he's trying to do and they still can't stop him. And he's able to put this team on his back when Anders Lee goes down with injury, when they've had some shakeups, when, you know, all these different things have happened. So I would really like to see him get some votes because I think that he is an incredibly valuable player to the Islanders. There's no question about that. I do think that it's tough to compete with some of these other players that have singularly elevated their team to higher statuses. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We talked about Matthew Barzell. Now well, I think we'll talk about someone who's uh, a little bit less uh on the radar, I think, of a lot of people around the league, but uh, hit a couple big milestones in the last few weeks, in the last week or so. It's Josh Bailey, um, who became just the fourth Islander player ever to play 900 games with the organization uh, and just got his 500th point the other night uh, on the one goal and the Islanders one nothing win. Um, Josh Bailey, uh, I, you know, I cover the Islanders. I've known Josh Bailey almost since he came and came to this team. Um, so I know what kind of person he is, but I think to a lot of fans around the league and even a lot of Islander fans who feel very strongly about Josh Bailey one way or the other, if you happen to look at Twitter um, or other social media, uh, you know, he's maybe the most unassuming guy to ever play that many games for maybe any organization, you know, he, he unfortunately hasn't enjoyed the success of some of the guys that he's around the Trottiers, the pot bands, the Nystrom's. Um, but he's still the longevity to have that, especially in an era where they haven't had a ton of success is pretty impressive. And I, and I feel like it's worth discussing just because he's such an under, you know, and, and even in his media sessions, when he's asked about playing 900 games or getting 500 points, his answer is basically, I, I don't really care right now. Like I just want to win games and I'll, I'll, tally that all that stuff up when I'm retired. And uh, it cracks me up to hear that he is a, he is a very interesting guy. He's not the greatest interview, especially on zoom, but uh, what do you make of, of Josh Bailey's season and and just hitting those milestones in a, in an incredibly unassuming way? Well, I'll preface it by saying I'm a big Josh Bailey fan. I just think he's a really 
quality human being. He's a really nice guy. He's always been very respectful to all of us in the media. Uh, you can see it's plain to anybody, to anyone to see how much respect he has in that room from his teammates. Um, so I, and I agree with you that he's not the best interview, but I think part of that is he's such a team guy that he just doesn't, it's, he just sort of answers the question. He does what he's supposed to do, but he's not going to necessarily elaborate because he doesn't, I don't think he cares for that attention. Um, and, you know, in terms of his performance on the ice, I think some of it is that he has in the last couple of years, he scored some big goals, right? And there's even a skull song, right? Hey, Josh Bailey, right? There's <laughs> That's a song right. He's, the, he's the only guy who's got a song of anybody on the team in case, you know, want to know how anybody feels about him. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, I think that that's something that is fun and people want to hear the song and they want to play the song and they want to root for him. And then when he doesn't score for a while, people say, well, where is Josh Bailey? What's going on? Why is he not scoring? And he, but he's quietly going about his business and from what I've seen and the way Barry Trotz employs him, Barry Trotz is not expecting him to score big goals. Barry Trotz is expecting him to lean on his strengths. And one of the strengths that Josh Bailey has is he's incredibly smart on the ice. His hockey IQ is off the charts. You watch all the little things he does, subtle plays, the way that he, his stick position, the way he'll sort of stick check people, little passes, little saucer passes, you know, putting it into space, all these little things, even body position coming off of a defensive zone face-offs, there are a lot of things that he does that um, people can appreciate if they really watch him. Now, if you're watching him to pull a coast-to-coast -coast highlight reel goal or between-the-legs goal like we saw Matt Barzell do over the last couple of weeks, you're going to be disappointed. That is not his. That is not Josh Bailey's role on the team from where I'm standing. I've never asked Josh what his expectations are, and I've, I've honestly never even really asked Barry Trotz what he expects of Josh Bailey. I, we, you and I have just been in those scrums pre-COVID and been on the Zooms post-COVID where we've heard him sing his praises and he's not disappointed. Obviously, these guys like to score goals because it helps the team and it's easy to quantify your success when you see your name in the goal or assist column, the points column. Um, but I think for somebody like Josh Bailey, the way that he plays is exactly what Barry Trotz expects of him. So I think as fans, maybe there's a rejiggering of expectations for what he what his role is supposed to be on the team. I was talking to uh, Franz Nielsen during the offseason and um, Franz and Josh go way back. And Franz said that a couple of things that were that stand out for this conversation. He said Josh is by far the smartest player he's ever played with. and. You know, if Franz only played for the Islanders and the Red Wings, but he's played with some pretty big name guys. And he just said there are guys on his team that don't know what Josh is doing when he's doing it because he's like two or three moves ahead. And sometimes those things don't really work out. So they looked a little bit, you know, they look like soft plays or they look like what's he trying to do? Bank the puck off, you know, behind the behind his back or something. And it's just he's a couple moves ahead of everybody sometimes. And the other thing that Franz said is that Josh can play till he's 45 because of that hockey IQ and because he's a much uh, tougher built guy than you think. You know, he, he's a, he doesn't seem like a big guy out on the ice and he's not a terribly physical guy, but he is a pretty big guy. And uh, it, it, it cracks me up to hear that kind of stuff from his teammates because, you know, like you said, we, we don't see a lot of. Uh, his personality. I think, like I said, I've known him for a long time. He does have a good personality and he's a good person to talk to when, you, when the, when the recorders and the cameras are off. Um, and from a journalist media person standpoint, you need those guys as much as you need the good quote guys. So um, 
but I just am always fascinated to hear that kind of inside stuff from his, from his teammates that like he is even among players, he's considered to be a smart player. Yeah. You know, I think that that's the highest praise, right? When you're talking about the, the way, I I mean, there's being a team player, whether it's you use, you fight when you're supposed to fight, you, you block shots when you're supposed to block shots, whatever it is and being a smart player. I think that's a really interesting concept or really interesting thought that, Nielsen had that he can play until he's 45 because of the, of those smarts. And I think that's true because there's some criticism of Josh Bailey is that he doesn't go into the corners and maybe, you know, I've heard people say, well, he's a little soft, but again, that's not his role. That's not what's expected of him. But I think he finds the soft spots on the ice, meaning that, you know, where he can go find these little seams to get in position and maybe avoid the big hits because of that hockey IQ. So I like the way that Nielsen, uh, says that and he and he sort of reshapes the narrative as opposed to criticizing the way he plays as a teammate of his I mean he would know these guys know the best right that that's that's when when you're playing with somebody who is thinking the game faster than you can it's there's there's uh, so much respect to that because you're all trying to figure this game out together right as a team you're trying to move in the direction and stay in lockstep and every once in a while you got somebody that is just thinking a couple steps ahead of you and thank goodness they're on your team I guess. <laughs> And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Now, we just broke down a little bit about Josh Bailey and a little bit about Matthew Barzal and the link between them two, between those two that we're going to tie up in a nice, neat little bow here that AJ, you're going to be very impressed the way that we structured this show is that Matthew Barzal has a hole on his left wing, even though Leo Kamara was playing well because Andrews Lee is out. Josh Bailey's breakout year in junior hockey with the Windsor Spitfires was spent on the right left side of or rather he was the center. His left winger was Taylor Hall. And Taylor Hall is been healthy. It was scratched or kept out of the lineup for the Sabres game last night. I presume it's going to be the same tonight. Um, and there's talk that a deal might be close. And the Islanders certainly have uh, a need for a guy like Taylor Hall. Uh, we've we've gone over pretty much all the big name forwards that are or might be available, given you who we think fit the best with, with kind of the Islander way, whether it's a Nick Felino from Columbus, Dustin Brown in L.A., Maybe even Orion Getzlaff out in Anaheim. Um, Kyle Palmieri with the Devils, who's also been scratched the last couple of games as they wait, await a trade there before the Monday deadline. But we haven't really dug in on Taylor Hall, who, like as we said, by the time you guys all listen to this, could be an Islander or could be someone else, be with another team other than the Sabres. Um, without even thinking about cost in a trade or any of the details, AJ, does Taylor Hall fit the Islanders for you? Uh, well, first of all, when you just said Taylor Hall is and you paused, I thought you were going to break some big news here because <laughs> I hadn't picked up my phone in five minutes to check check if there was any news on the uh, on the wire there. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting to see, and the you know not that it, it doesn't take us long take everyone long, too long to get this turn this around and publish this pod, but if anything changes between now and then, or now and tomorrow night when the Islanders are back on the ice. Um, We'll look, so we'll look so smart. We'll look so smart if they get him, by the way. So go ahead. Wouldn't that be great? 
Um, so the interesting thing about Taylor Hall to me is he's, you know, got a heart trophy to his name. He won the MVP back a couple years ago with the New Jersey Devil Devils. And since then, I have not been super impressed with him. Now, that could be the teams that he's going to. It could be the fact that he was, you know, last December was ahead of the trade deadline, traded out to Arizona, and then he was brought to Buffalo to teams that maybe didn't fit the way he played or didn't, he wasn't surrounded with people that will boost him up. Taylor Hall's a goal scorer. Now, he's not scoring goals up in Buffalo, but is that because of who he's playing with? Perhaps. Is that because of the whole, just the vibe up there and this what's been going on? And, you know, hopefully Don Granato will be able to turn that sinking ship around because I'm a big, big Don Granato fan and hope that he's able to do it. Um, but, you know, if you take Taylor Hall as just a pure goal scorer and you put him next to somebody like Matthew Barzell, who is a essentially a setup guy. I've said that before, and I know people, we all love to see him score those incredible goals that he can score, but he is a pass-first player. If you watch him, he's got his head up constantly looking for passes. And um, and so if he's able to set up Taylor Hall, then Taylor Hall could probably score some goals. And frankly, we know, we've said it ad nauseum, the Islanders need a goal scorer, and that is, that is plain and simple. Um, on the flip side of that, because Taylor Hall has bounced around a little bit and he's gone from Jersey to Arizona to Buffalo, he, he strikes me as not the kind of guy that Lou Lamorello wants to take a chance on just based on the fact that Lou likes to ha- have, to really have confidence in the players that he's bringing in, in terms of, are they going to be a good fit in the locker room? Are they going to be a good team chemistry guy? Are they going to be, you know, all these intangibles that those of us in the media don't have a finger on that pulse. And certainly the fans don't either. Um, So I think Lou does a deep dive into that. But when you have a guy that's bounced around a lot in the last 18 months, I think that that makes it difficult. Now, with that said, Lou also has been around a long time and he knows all these coaches and GMs. And so he would have done his homework. So it's, it's a tough question for me, just based purely on hockey stuff. It looks like Taylor Hall fits based on some of the other stuff. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, you know, and when you start to think about cost, you know, uh, our John Vogel, who covers the Sabres, and God bless him for covering the Sabres all these years, um, said that the Sabres wanted a first-round pick. That was as of last week. I think it's been reported a few other places as well. They're not getting one for Taylor Hall, not the way that he's playing, not the way that the the hockey world is right now financially. Uh, it just doesn't seem like you're you're spending a first for a rental. Um, and now, having said that, Lou Lamarillo has been known to pay a premium for his guys, whether they're rentals or not. I mean, you look at the picks that he gave up for the two trades he made last year with Andy Green uh, and JG Pajo, he gave up a first and a few seconds. So uh, it's definitely possible that the Islanders could give up a first round pick, but it seems really unlikely given that we're now five days away from the trade deadline. And unless somebody was really going to smash that buy now button uh, on either Taylor Hall or Palmieri or whoever, um, the Islanders could hold on to their first round pick. For me, the cost makes a big difference on a, on Taylor Hall. You, you're looking at Kyle Palmieri. I think you're looking at a bigger pool of teams that are interested in a Kyle Palmieri. You, you know, the the Bruins are reportedly very interested. He he's he you know as much as he seems to fit the Islanders, he certainly fits the Bruins as well. And the Bruins might have the space and the and the desire to to sign him longer term. And the Bruins also need a defenseman to play right now because their defense is pretty depleted. And the Devils have a few UFA defensemen, so that that deal starts to make more sense for them. The Leafs probably also looking for a winger like Kyle Palmieri. So you're, you're bidding against some other teams and suddenly your, your cost goes up. If you're the only one bidding on Taylor Hall, as good as he has been, 
and you can get him for say a third round pick now and a third round pick next year or a, a second rounder and a third or a second rounder and a fourth, which is pretty cheap price, relatively speaking. If you think about how Andy Green went for two seconds um, when you were also renting him last year, different world, of course, pre-pandemic, then I think you I think it's worth a risk, you know, and I, and my feeling on Taylor Hall is he's a young guy, but this is a big year for him uh, in terms of his future. He he's got, like you said, he's got a little bit of that nomad reputation now where he hasn't had a big enough impact outside of his MVP year. And really, even in that year, the devils went out pretty quickly to the lightning in the playoffs. He's only been in the playoffs twice in his career. He's kind of got that, that same, uh, you know, yoke around his neck that Jordan Eberle had when he came to the Islanders. Like, can he be a guy who's an impact player or does he fit better as a piece of the puzzle? And I don't think Taylor Hall has been a piece of the puzzle guy yet. So I'd be curious to see how it would work with the Islanders where everybody is a piece of the puzzle um, and whether he can, he can improve their offense by all. And also at the same time, not really damage what they do defensively because I don't, you, you don't really have much of a, a book on him as a strong defensive player. Cause he's, he hasn't really been on very many good defensive teams. Well, and again, that goes back to expectations, right? So if the expectations for Leo Komarov up on that top line wing spot is to help that them sort of shore up the defensive side, that's the expectation with Taylor Hall. That wouldn't be what, what Barry Trotz would expect him to do. Now that doesn't mean that he wouldn't work with him on their systems and it's very structured and well, well, we're all well, well versed in Barry Trotz's system. You know, I, I was really impressed when they, when the Islanders played Buffalo in the, at the Coliseum a couple weeks ago, Shannon interviewed Taylor Hall between periods and they were getting smoked and it was a tough interview, right? If you're a player in that situation, when they were right in the middle of that 17 or 18 game losing streak, that they were on. He was very thoughtful. He was very good with us. And he was, um, it, it was, it was an impressive interview only because I think sometimes the rub on a player like that, that's bounced around is maybe he's not feeling the, this, the losses the same way. Some of the other longtime Buffalo Sabres are people that are, have been there for forever or for a couple of years even. Um, so I was, I have to say, I was impressed with his demeanor, with how he answered those questions. And to your point, when you bring in a player any player to play under Barry Trotz, you know that he's going to be able to shape them and work them into a little bit of, of what he wants, right? I mean, look at what he was able to do with Alex Ovechkin. Look at the in the last couple of years, how he's been able to really help and evolve Matt Barzell's game. And, you know, you mentioned Jordan Everly too, when he came in. Um, so that my, but my question for you, Arthur, putting you on the spot. So we, you mentioned Hall and Paul Mary, who else do you think? Are there any surprises here? Do you think that Lou could pull something off that nobody's expecting? Well, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I think if Lou had his way, everything he did would be what nobody was expecting because <laughs> he doesn't tell Fair anybody enough. anything. But I think in this case, the names that are out there, uh, given that a lot of them are pending UFAs, given the Islanders cap situation, I just don't see there being kind of one of these like, whoa, I didn't realize, you know, like kind of when the rumors were, were had come out around the deadline that, that the Islanders were looking pretty seriously at Zach Parise, for instance, at last deadline. Obviously. And again, different world. I don't think there's even a 0.01% chance that they're going to try to trade for Zach Parise right now. But a guy like that, where you don't really think of it um, because of the contract situation or because of, you know, you didn't know he was available. I think because a lot of the guys that are, are presumed to be available on teams that are falling out of it or have been out of it for a while, uh, who are good players that are pending UFAs, who are known quantities, and they're all wingers. This is exactly what the Islanders need. So I feel like 
trying to read through the tea leaves of what Lou's saying or not saying or doing or not doing is, is a little bit of a wasted effort right now because you can pick from Taylor Hall and Kyle Palmieri and Nick Foligno, maybe and Dustin Brown, maybe. And like out of those four guys, I think you could get a guy that could help fill the, the Anders Lee void. So, you know, maybe if you're thinking more about a guy who might fit in on the left side, say with, with Pajot and Oliver Wallstrom, you know, if they haven't really had a consistent guy there uh, since Wallstrom started to establish himself, you know, it was Beauvillier for a while that the Beauvillier Nelson Bailey line has seemed to kind of get their mojo back together. Um, so if they were looking for someone less expensive, uh, someone like, you know, if Taylor, if the Taylor Hall trade, let's say goes through and they, and the Sabres retain some of the cap, hit, some of his $8 million cap hit. So the Islanders have some room to do something else. That's maybe where you'd see a guy that you were like, Oh, you know, I didn't know that guy was available. You know, Derek Broussard was a guy that I think that we talked about and Arizona suddenly looks like they need Derek Broussard because they're in the catbird seat for that last playoff spot in their division. But there's probably some other teams out there that might be willing to let a third or fourth line guy go that doesn't really cost a whole lot and actually might have an impact for the Islanders. So uh, I'll do some research on that one and see where we come up with, although we'll be talking next week after the <laughs> deadline. So it'll have to be, I can't even pick somebody out of my head. Matt Nieto was the guy that was stuck in my head for weeks that a guy who can put the puck in the net has a lot of good speed, very defensive minded guy um, could play up and down the lineup. He's been hurt lately. Um, and San Jose is suddenly in a playoff chase too. So, um, it, you know, I, it, it's hard to gauge, you know, and I think even it's been mentioned a lot to me. Um, maybe the surprise guy is Mike Hoffman. If Taylor Hall doesn't come through, the blues are in complete free fall and Hoffman really hasn't had any kind of impact because he, he was kind of like the secondary Taylor Hall guy this out, last off season, right? Where he was uh, a known guy, a scorer, power play guy, took a one year lowish money deal kind of bet on himself and much like Taylor Hall has not worked out and the blues are in a bit of a mess right now. So he's a guy, maybe I think the Islanders were interested in him, um, you know, in the off season possibly. So maybe they'll revisit that uh, if the Taylor Hall situation doesn't come to fruition, but so that there I'll throw you up. Mike Hoffman is my guy that maybe no one is thinking about right now. It is. It's interesting though, to your point that, there are so many teams that may or may not be in the playoff hunt, right? So we, you and I, a couple of weeks ago, had talked about the Predators, right? We talked about Granlund. He would be an amazing third line addition uh, to play with Pajot. Um, you know, and then we did talk about Forsberg too coming over. But you look at the way the Preds have played. I think they've won ten of the last twelve or something crazy, right? And they're back up in the in the hunt now. So it, it, for these GMs, this is a different year than years past. I mean, obviously there are some Detroit Red Wings that are out, Buffalo Sabres, you know, the, that are certainly sellers, but there are a lot more uh, teams that are on the cusp. And, you know, I think a name that had been thrown out weeks ago was uh, Cagliano down in Dallas, but right. you know, who knows what's going on with that team as they're climbing up and they've got a lot of games to make up based on early season COVID situations. So, you know, I, I do, I agree with you on what, what is the the first hole to fill is that score on the top line for sure to play alongside Barzell and Everly, but trying to find that third line consistency is going to be interesting. So anyway, until next time, I guess we'll, we'll have a lot to discuss and we'll either look really smart or, or a little <laughs> bit clueless, but I don't know. That's all right. I don't mind. I'm glad it only <laughs> took four episodes to really get you in that armchair GM mode, AJ. You were, you were <laughs> protesting so much when we started and now look at you, you're like scouring cap friendly, you know, all the stuff. I, I feel like I accomplished something. <laughs> Good. Yeah, okay. I guess so. But I'm still, I don't know, that GM job. Oof, no, thank you. Uh, a lot of pressure on those guys. 
Well, like we said, we'll be back next week post-deadline. We'll recap whatever trades did or did not happen, and uh, we'll have some more Islanders talk for you. they got a couple of big games coming up with their rival, the Rangers, who we haven't seen in a while this week. And we'll, we'll, we'll be watching along with you and uh, talking on the Zooms with the guys, and we'll come back to you with some insight. So, AJ, thank you as always. My pleasure. Looking forward to some fun games this weekend. And thank you, everybody, for listening. This is No Sleep Till Belmont, your Islanders podcast from The Athletic. Do us a favor, support us on any platform that you listen on Apple, Spotify, leave a review, rate us. We need to subscribe. We certainly need all the uh, attention we can get. And if you want to subscribe to The Athletic, you can sign up at theathletic.com slash no sleep till Belmont. Until next week. Thanks, everyone.